Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Your host is Becky Olson. Our show is here to help breast cancer patients, survivors, their friends, and family by providing resources, support, and inspiration they can use right now. Here is your host, Becky Olson. Thanks so much for tuning in. My name is Becky Olson. I'm the co-founder of Breast Friends. I'm also a five-time survivor of advanced stage breast cancer. I'm a motivational speaker and the published author of The Hat That Saved My Life. And before I bring our guests on today, I just want to give a quick little shout out to my husband because we're coming up on our 40th wedding anniversary. And um, it's been a, a lot of years and some really interesting landmarks happened right about then. The very next morning after we were married, Mount St. Helens blew up. We were completely oblivious because our curtains were shut in our hotel room, but my my father told us about it. We opened the curtains, and sure enough, there was this giant cloud kind of hanging up there in the the air, and it was crazy. We've been blamed for that occurrence so many times over the last 40 years. Like, oh, it's your fault that happened. So we've survived that. We've survived, you know, having all these children. We've survived coronavirus. We've survived a lot of things. And so, honey, I just wanted to say to you, happy anniversary. Even though we had to cancel our, our anniversary trip to Hawaii, um, we're, we're still still happy to be together and, and loving after all these years. So, anyway, happy birthday, Mr. Bill. Not happy birthday. Happy anniversary, Mr. Bill. Love you dearly. All right. With that, let's move on to our show today. And I'm really excited about our guests and about our conversation our guests were actually on last week when we talked about mindfulness and meditation to help overcome stress. And I have to tell you, it was a great conversation. They are so easy to talk to, and they're just so full of great information that we decided to bring them back on today to finish the conversation because we kind of ran out of time. But we all decided to kind of finish this conversation with a new twist. We want to talk about what happens when cancer diagnosis changes and becomes metastatic. David Dashinger, who was our guest last week and again here today, is a stage four survivor. And Tamara Green was his caregiver and his wife. She's also a psychotherapist and can draw from her personal experience as a caregiver, as well as her training to help us uncover the needs of our metastatic partners. And, you know, this is not their even their second time on our show. They were on um, back in September of 2016. So they've been um, very loyal guests on my show. I love it when I can just bring people on and we just connect right away. So with that, I want to reintroduce Tamara and David from Loving Meditations. Welcome back, you guys. Thanks for joining me. Thank you, Becky. It's great to be back, and happy anniversary to you and Bill. <laughs> yeah, congratulations! Thank you. Forty years—that's I know, right? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's been a it's been a good forty. So, um, listen. Last time when we were when we got off the air, you guys talked about a really special offer you wanted to make to our um, to our listeners, and I want to, let's just kind of kick it off with that so that we don't miss that and run out of time and forget to offer it again. So, something to do with your app. Yes, we'd love to offer your listeners a free month of premium access to the Loving Meditations app and simply go to lovingmeditations.com slash chaos because that's what we're all living in the midst of, lovingmeditations.com slash chaos and it'll have instructions for the download and how to get that free month of premium access. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for doing that. I think that's that's a great offer. And now, can the listeners 
get that anytime or is it limited? Because I know sometimes people don't listen to us right away. It's not live. They're li- they listen on demand sometime down the road. So it, would this be something that would be continued or is there a, a deadline in order to, to take advantage of this? Uh, there's no deadline. Okay. Uh, it's an standing offer that um, whenever someone hears this radio show, unless we've um, radically changed the app, um, it'll be available for the foreseeable future. Wonderful. And if you do radically change the app um, to our listeners, just reach out to me, Becky at breastfriends.org, and I'll get in touch with David and um, Tamara and figure out what we can do. Does that sound fair? Beautiful. Good. All right. So, David, let's start with you, just because this is such a, a sensitive subject. And I know as a stage four survivor, you've got a story to share. So I want to start with you and have you tell our audience about your stage four journey and just kind of how it transformed your life, how it changed things for you. So just anything you want us to know about it. Sure. Um, And thank you for having this conversation, Becky, because um, we've been wanting to have it as well. There are so many things that need to be said, talked about, and and questions asked that um, we want to help to be part of that process. So we really applaud you for for bringing bringing this up. My pleasure. Thank you. So my stage four cancer journey was, there's so many different elements to it. One that's coming to mind right now was just an identity reversal of being a firefighter EMT and being the person who responds and initiates medical care to now having to stand in front of the guys on my shift and say, you know what, I was just diagnosed with cancer and I'm not going to be able to come to work. And so in that moment especially because I thought I was the poster boy for good health and fitness and good nutrition. I felt kind of like a, I'd failed. I couldn't live mm. up to that image. And so it was kind of embarrassing. One of those things you just, you know, I kind of pushed myself to have that conversation with the guys because I felt I owed it to them. But at the same time, I felt like I was letting them down. And so it was a bit of um, you know disappointment and a you know, a, a, humil- a humility to it where, um, okay, I got to let go of that identity and move on to this cancer, you know, kind of odyssey that's going to unfold in the next few months. And so then once I had done that, I felt like I did have a little bit of ability to move on and understanding from my, my uh, shift mates. And so dived into the treatment, which was um, radiation and chemotherapy for uh, well, five days a week for the radiation, once a week for the chemo for about um, eight weeks. And so that became a, a journey of, okay, I'm going to kick this. Uh, I'm choosing traditional medicine and a couple of other things beyond that as well. I had so much downtime that I figured I've got to do something positive and productive during that downtime. And uh, along with uh, Tamara's help, because she's an amazing facilitator of uh, present moment mindfulness and meditation. Um, so I would bring things to the infusion center that were uplifting and helped me to do something much more um, uplifting than if I was sitting there watching the talk shows or the news or, <laughs> you know, something that's I mindless. still get that. <laughs> And and that was key. I really felt like now I'm an active participant in this journey. Okay, no matter how it how it ends up, I've now um, chosen to 
take control over my experience. And so that was the beginning of, you know, what we would do as a patient and caregiver to kind of be more empowered. So, David, were you, when you were first diagnosed with cancer, were you stage four right out of the chute? Or did you start out at an earlier stage and then have it just like mine? You know, mine was stage three um, and it just kept recurring and recurring and recurring. And finally, on my fifth time, which was almost, it'll be a year, it's a year and a half ago now, um, it finally advanced to stage four and kind of spread to a lot of places. But um, was yours like that or was yours stage four right out of the, right from the beginning? I was living in blissful ignorance of having anything uh, until until I received the diagnosis, which okay. was stage four. And, you know, the thing that we laugh about now is I didn't even hear the doctor say stage four, but it had metastasized from my tongue to my lymph nodes in my neck. And that was how I found out. My barber noticed it and pointed it out to me. Interesting. Wow. I don't know that I've ever had anybody in my life that's had cancer of the tongue before. That's that's really different. Um, so that must have been kind of scary because you probably had all kinds of thoughts of what that might mean down the road. Um, yes, it's, you know, part of me didn't want to go there and kind of look at the bleak end of it. And part of me was like, okay, I'm going to pick the best medical team I can pick, put that piece into their hands, but at the same time, you know, there's an anxiety, there's a, a sense of, um, you hit, I hit bottom at some points, mm-hmm. um, you know, tearful moments and sure. times when you're wondering, okay, is this, you know, is, am I at the crossroads between, you know, moving forward or is this the, the path to my last stretch here on earth? Yeah. And, and those moments are, were, you know, were difficult to say the least. You know, I think that sometimes, even if you don't hear the words, excuse me, <clears throat> stage four in front of it, you just hear cancer. I think that there's that thought goes through a lot of people's minds because I think a lot of times people have that fear anyway, regardless of, you know, the stage that they're at. If it's stage one or stage two, we don't oftentimes don't hear that. We just hear the word cancer and our life turns upside down. And so it's a really scary thing. But then once you finally kind of come to that realization that, you know, it's early stage, you're probably going to be able to treat this because, you know, they talk about the greatest successes happens when you have it and when you catch it early. Um, But when you've, when it's spread, then it's, you know, it's a kind of a different story. Sometimes you can still, you can still live with that for a very, very long time, but it's, um, but it's not everyone's story like that. So, Tamara, if you don't mind, would you kind of share with us the role that you played as David's caretaker during this time? Absolutely. Um, you know, I would have to say at first my goal was to, you know, get all the ducks lined up, make sure that everybody has what they need. You know, our son, get him off to school, get David off to infusion or radiation, you know, make sure we've got the, you know, I I was very much into getting information Mm -hmm. and getting the doctor's appointments all lined up and the food and, you know, planning, 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 right? But then... Uh, after a couple of weeks of that and um, a lot of anxiety and worry uh, and sleepless nights, I realized that I needed to uh, slow down and really um, 
It, you know, I'm going to say this first, and then I'll I'll continue with what I'm saying. Uh, and my hats off to Bill because he, just like myself and every other caregiver out there, is on their own journey as well. The the cancer patient certainly is on. You know, you guys are on your journey, but we are on our own. I would call it a self discovery journey. Hopefully, it's a self discovery journey. So mine certainly kicked in, and early on. I decided, you know, because I, I have my meditation practice, I have my my morning prayers, and the hit I was getting was to just be so present, just be present with that. Let me let me just be that one that allows him of his journey, but at the same time, you know, I can certainly express what what's going on for me as well. And that tearful moment that David was talking about, um, it was a, a very tearful moment for both of us because, um, you know, we were talking about the things that you don't ever dream of talking about. Like, well, what if what if I don't survive? You know, I'll never see I'll never see our kids get married and have their own families. And what about you? And you know, mm-hmm. we you know, we have this life together and all this kind of stuff. Um, so that deep, deep, deep um, conversation happened fairly early on. Um, but it was in those moments that David made a shift that I noticed. He made a shift into, you know what? I'm I'm choosing life. I'm 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 not going to even think about death. I'm going to go there. I'm going to choose life. Mm-hmm. And then for me, it was me just supporting wherever he was in that. So I felt like that was my role as a caregiver. You know, before we move on, I want to say I want to thank you um, for reminding us that the caregivers are on their journey as well. And, you know, my husband's been with me through all five of my different diagnoses and we've, you know, and each one had a little different feel to it and he's had to learn an awful lot about it and about me and how I kind of deal with some of this kind of stuff. And he has been a rock to me. And so he's he's had to go through his journey. I know this has not been easy on him. And, you know, I think that, no matter what stage we're at in this journey, you know, again, stage one, two, three, four, whatever, whatever stage we're at, you know, we all have fears and we all have concerns and, you know, but I love that, I, that thought, choose life because no matter what, you know, you're, you're still here. And if you're still here, there's still something for you to do. Mm-hmm. And there's some positive meaning for why am I still here? Why didn't I go yesterday? Because there's still something for me to do. And so choosing life, no matter what, I just think that's, that's beautiful. So thank you for that, that awesome, you know, reminder of, of their role in all of this and how hard this can be. You know, um, I know we're going to run out of time here before our first break, but can you talk about how mindfulness and meditation kind of helped you guys both through this journey? Because that was our subject last time, and we didn't really get to all of it. So I'm trying to incorporate some of those questions that we left out. Um, But that was part of it, is how does mindfulness and meditation, you know, when you're going through all of this and you're having one of those moments, those kind of, you know, crush your spirit sort of moments, because that happens, um, or lay on the couch and watch the, the movies and the news and all that junk, how do you use mindfulness and meditation to pull yourself out of that place and into someplace more positive. 
Right. You know, it's it's all about presence. When when I really go into, you know, whether I'm working with somebody who's grieving or I'm, or I'm working with a caregiver who's overwhelmed or I'm working with a cancer patient who's dealing with, you know, what they're going through, the pain and the, you know, discomfort of it all. When it comes down to doing something that brings you in the present moment, it's amazing how much gets lifted in that moment because it's like 90% of what we're thinking about or judging about the situation Mm -hmm. that we're in that just makes it so much worse. So for example, how do you do it? You, you say, okay, I'm sitting in this chair. So what does this chair feel against, you know, the top of my thighs? And what about my back against the back of the chair? And how do my feet feel on, you know, the flat on the floor? And you start going into your body and being present with your body. And before you know it, that pain or discomfort or the nausea or worry or whatever, it just kind of vanishes for a second. So that's just a quick example. That's a good one, though, because, you know, people people talk about mindfulness. They talk about meditation. But at the same time, they don't really tell you how to go about doing that. And so Mm -hmm. thank you for that. That was just a quick little visual, but I can see it because I can... I think I've, I need to be there more often, <laughs> so, so thank you for that. Well, you know, with that, let's go ahead and take a short break, um, and we'll p- kind of pick this up on the other side, and I want to talk about maybe how to use some of these tools if you just discovered that you are diagnosed with metastatic cancer, and we're in the midst of all this coronavirus that already has enough trouble of its own. So let's talk about how we can you know, kind of make that less traumatic on uh, when we can get back from the break. Okay, so stay tuned. We'll be back in a minute. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to keep our doors open and to keep this radio program alive. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can visit us at breastfriends.org. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Visit breastfriends.org and contribute today. Female cancers affect women, but women's effects are felt throughout our families, workplaces, and communities. Electa is driving advances in precision radiation medicine across our portfolio of devices. By enabling treatment that is highly responsive to changes in tumor shape, position, and biology, but doesn't compromise the health of surrounding tissue and the patient, we protect the moments that matter in the lives of women with female cancers and everyone they touch. Learn more at electa.com. That's E-L-E-K-T-A dot com. When was the last time you felt free? It's time to uncover that feeling again with the compassion of a cross and shield and the power of a card that opens doors to the best hospitals and medical centers in all 50 states. Giving you the freedom to love, to dream, to dance like no one is watching. Regions Blue Cross Blue Shield. Live fearless. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. tuned into Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. To reach the program today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to becky at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to our program. We've been talking about Overcoming stress, handling stress with a through a metastatic cancer diagnosis, as well as kind of what we're going through right now with all this coronavirus stuff going on. Um, with our guests, our wonderful guests, David Dashinger and Tamara Green. So, um, when we went out to break, we were um, getting ready to talk about how, as a patient, if you just got diagnosed with with the worst news of your life, that you just got, you've got stage four metastatic cancer of any type. And, you know, hospitals aren't just seeing coronavirus patients. They are actually taking care of cancer patients too. And so that news continues. And how do we how do we use some of these techniques that you guys know so well to kind of overcome that stress, if we've got somebody listening right now that's just completely overwhelmed with all of this news, what can they do right now? I mean, I know breathing is a big deal. Let's maybe t- start by talking about breathing. But, yes. um, you know, what, what, what can we do? Breath work is, um, is certainly a very, very powerful tool. Um, well, the simplest thing right off the bat is we have so many different ways to um, work through some of the stress and anxiety and worry of cancer diagnosis and the coronavirus stress that are on the app. Um, there are ways to use breathing. There's ways to get mo- uh, present in the moment. And if if you're just getting diagnosed now, um, so it's it's definitely a challenge to receive all that information and the epic changes that are going to take place in, a, in your life due to this diagnosis and the treatment. So it was always super important to have an advocate and someone who can be there to take notes and take mm-hmm. um, forms and whatever other um, paperwork is coming so they can read it also and kind of digest it and keep you on track. But this really underscores why right now it would be you know, super important to be even more present um, by using some of the simple, we call it one minute to calm tools. And they include things like yawning and stretching, um, light body tapping. Some of these you could do literally anywhere. And they'll just kind of help clear your mind of that overwhelm and overload. Because let's face it, we're already overloaded with coronavirus information and news and fears and uncertainty. And adding the layer of cancer, metastatic cancer diagnosis on top is, you know, is pretty, it's a pretty intense uh, information overload. So 
Whatever be, we can before do. You go, before you go on with that, David, just a real quick kind of side note on that. Right now, you can't even take someone with you mm-hmm. on these appointments, you know, and um, I'm going in to see my doctor this afternoon for my, my monthly blood draws where they check tumor markers and all that jazz. But um, I can't take my husband with me. And he's gone with me on every appointment, you know, in this last go around. And he's always there when I talk to my doctor and can answer questions. He can bring up stuff that I'd forgotten about. But I can't even bring him with me now. So it's it's that kind of adds another level of stress because you don't you can't bring your loved one with you to the hospital. I don't know if that's across the country, but I know in a lot of places they're just saying family has to stay home. You know, they can bring you there and drop you off and make sure that you're, you know, inside the building, but you're kind of not with them after that. <laughs> so, you know, that adds that other layer of of feeling unsupported. So I just wanted to add that because, you know, he, he was with me for all the diagnoses and all those things and asked questions, but now he can't even come with me on my monthly appointments. And for my infusions, you know. Um, right. So, so anyway, I want to add well, that. <laughs> sure, and that's that's huge. Um, and it's something that um, we have to figure out ways to cope with. And that's just kind of like becomes another important, compelling reason to try to be as uh, present and um, in the moment as possible. No, it, it's not easy, but there are certainly some easy, um, we found easy ways to shift into it um, on the fly if necessary. Um, and I wanted to mention this because this is so kind of timely. Um, I found this so inspirational where a good friend of mine was just diagnosed with metastatic pancreatic cancer. Mm. And um, so he's, you know, he's a firefighter, paramedic, and he could easily lapse into the victim for me mentality. But instead, he will go into chemo and put out posts on social media. This is the one he just sent out. It says, choose growth over grief and embrace the uncertainty. And then he goes on to to make a whole post about, it's kind of like being the um, cheerleader for those of us that are still working out in the, in the uh, EMS fire world. Um, just saying things like, you know, make sure that you um, go home and relax, be with your family, um, talk it out, don't hold it in, reach out to each other. Mm-hmm. This guy Good. could could easily be in that mode of, you know, this sucks. I'm 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 just giving up, and he's he's totally putting it out there to be an inspiring role model. Good for him. That's that's wonderful. And I did just think of something on the fly that you could do. When, in fact, I'll do this today. When I'm in seeing my doctor, I'm going to call my husband on the phone, and we're going to put him on speaker so he can hear everything going on. Beautiful. Oh, I love that. <laughs> on the fly. We didn't do that last time, but we'll do that today. <laughs> so. There you go, technology. <laughs> yeah, it's a good thing. So, um, well, so let's talk a little bit about mind-body connection, or did we finish that other conversation? I kind of interrupted you, and I apologize, but, you know, I get a, an idea in my head, and if I don't get it out there, I lose it, <laughs> so. Oh, yeah, um, it's, but there's yeah, so much to talk we, about. There is. I think, we, I think we did cover that. So the mind-body connection, you know, we hear so much about that in the news and on different programming. Um, is there something you can add to that conversation for us? Well, the cancer journey is such an opportunity to for self-exploration. And once I made the choice to start doing some of that, I really came to some amazing uh, sort of revelations. So we started making some of those part of our app. And in terms of mind-body connection, um, one of the more interesting things is that we can actually 
kind of go on an inward journey inside our body and start to find things that are pain or discomfort and start to ask them questions, just kind of be curious, observe them, and without judgment, um, just ask, like, why are you there? What are you trying to tell me? And sometimes we get some pretty insightful information that can, uh, you know, that can be a a game changer just in terms of how we're experiencing our uh, pain and suffering. And if I could add to that, Becky, think of it like um, you're literally having a dialogue with that kind of mass of energy or cells that came together to be that pain or to be that discomfort or to be that nausea or whatever it may be. Or it could even be emotional, that sadness, that anxiety. And you start talking to it. Um, And that's what our uh, one of the activations that we have on the app does it, you know, we give you a chance to really go and ask and talk to this part that you're experiencing in your body. And if you can have a journal with you and write down, you know, what's you're, you're sort of in this process of just experiential, you're just writing, writing, writing. And then lo and behold, at one point, it's so fascinating. It's so you're literally getting answers to your questions and it's not coming from your mind. It's probably coming from, you know, the spirit or the heart, your heart or something within you that is speaking back to you. And it's pretty amazing if you allow yourself to go deep into that process. Oh, that's, you know, that I've never thought about treating my pain that way when I'm, you know, sometimes in the middle of the night I might wake up because my, my back is hurting more than it feels like it should be. But maybe it should be hurting like that because of something else. Like you said, what is it? What are you trying to tell me? <laughs> you know, that why, why all of these cells came together the way they did that causes pain. I've never thought to ask my body that question before. So I'm, I'm actually going to try that. Just good. See, see how it feels, you know. Good. And if I can add one more thing on that, because you'll even go into a deeper level of this, and that is, you know, we we feel like it's happening to us, right? Whether you're a caregiver or the patient, it's happening to you. But if you can kind of shift, even if it's just for a moment, shift into, you know what, I think you're actually here to serve me in a way. So how are you serving me? What What is it that I'm not quite awake to yet and what are you trying to tell me I know you're here to help me serve me yeah and then that really takes it even deeper Mm -hmm. yeah you know maybe it's telling you something to prevent injury or you know so yeah that's that's a great way to look at it I really really value that you know I want to move on to a couple of of new talking points just because I don't want to run out of time this is such a Great information. Might have to have you back again. <laughs> so, um, so let's talk about you know some of the really deep. I want to get really deep with you guys here for a moment, okay? Um, when we talk about metastatic cancer, you know, it kind of means different things. And you know, some a cancer that is metastasizing is kind of a. I think that's probably more of a verb. It's in the process of moving, and then metastatic cancer is like it's already landed there. There's a, it's a descriptive word. It's, you know, it means a lot of different things. And um, so there's different stages of metastatic cancer. There's different conditions. They're not, they're not all the same and not every diagnosis is the same. You know, there are some 
Uh, I know a woman who has um, stage, she's stage four, her breast cancer spread into her bones. It's been there a long time and it's very slow growing. And so, yes, she has stage four cancer, but she, it's very, she's very fortunate in that it hasn't grown fast. And that's often the case. It'll, you can live with it for a really long time. And she's still functioning. She's doing beautifully. She's, you know, she's a, a wonderful lady and I've known her for a long time now. And she's been this way I think since I've known her. So there's that. And then there's the other kind of metastatic cancer that kind of gets a life of its own and decides it's not going to just go here. It's going to go here and here and here and here. And and this is a tough subject because that, that is the reality of what happens sometimes. So when you're dealing with something like that, you know, we always talk about, you know, finding the positives and doing this and find, you know, setting goals and what I'm finding in my own personal journey right now, it's hard for me to think in terms of long-term goals. You know, I used to set 10-year goals. It wasn't a problem. You know, I want to finish college. I gave myself five years to finish college, but it took me seven. So I'm really glad I was able to, you know, <laughs> especially after my cancer diagnosis. That's when I got my first one was three months into my college experience. Yeah. And my doctors gave me basically a 60% chance to survive past five years. Well, it took me seven years to graduate, so I'm really glad they missed that one. So I do have my diploma. <laughs> so, But setting long-term goals is something that I used to do. And now I find I still set lots and lots of goals, but they're they're shorter, you know. And it's because it's something I can do now. And it keeps me focused on now and the here and now. Um, and if it's something that I'm looking at 10 years from now, I may never get started on it. You know what I mean? So I don't mean it as a negative. I don't mean it as a as being not positive. Um, but having things to focus on right now um, are what kind of keep me motivated. But we're not all motivated the same way. So David, how do you feel about that as a stage four survivor yourself? Right. It's it is a choice, but at the same time, um, it, it brings mortality into the forefront where. You know, when we're living what you would call a typical life, we don't think about it that much, right? We think, whatever, I'm going to live out my 60, 70, 80, 90 years, um, and I'll, I'll deal with it when I get closer to that end of it. But mm-hmm. now mortality is is um, is a regular uh, part of our, our everyday existence. Mm-hmm. And so I think one of the best things we could do is to learn and, and to help our close loved ones um, how to have honest conversations um, because although we're, we're finding ways to, we may be finding ways to cope with it and live in the moment, um, how can we let them know what's going on for us? And, and these are the things that people are not comfortable talking about. And I think it's why it's so important that you're, you're bringing this up um, today on the show. Thank you. Um, and I do find that because, you know, the last thing I want to do is, you know, if I, I'm going to use the term regular cancer survivors, and I don't mean that in any disrespectful way. I'm just going to, it's just easier to say regular than a person who is not metastatic, who's stage one or two. Or <laughs> it's just call them regular cancer survivors because there's a good chance that if you caught it early, you'll get treatment and you may never have to deal with this again in your entire life. And and that's, that's kind of a, a group of that's where we all want to be. If we get cancer, that's the group we want to be in, right? We want to be that one that 
does it once and done, you know, never, never again. Um, And the the last thing they want to be is me. (laughs) They don't, they don't want to be me. They don't want to be you, David. I'm sorry to say they don't want to be that one that, that the cancer has spread, that it's kind of doing that. And so it's hard to put the two together into the same, like even in a support group, you know, if you've got a group of regular cancer survivors that are really hopeful, last thing I want to do is bring anybody down. You know, but on the other hand, who can I talk to? You know, who can I share my real feelings with without being told I'm being negative, without being told I'm not being positive and you need to be positive to survive this? Well, you know, (laughs) I'm not quite sure how to do that all the time. You know, I try. I try to do positive things. I, you know, bring, I'm still doing, I love this radio show because to me, when I'm doing the radio show, this is, this is me, this is my life right now. And I love doing this. It's, it's very uplifting to me personally, but it's a, it's a week to week thing. So it's a series of short term goals. You know, I don't have guests lined up for the next year. I have guests lined up for the next month and, you know, and I'd have them for two months if I, you know, getting guests sometimes is a little tricky um, to find the right, the right combination. But um, I think I'm rattle, rambling a little bit, but I, I think that having a series of short term achievable goals is, is okay. And, you know, Tamara, you're a therapist. What do you think about that? Should I, should I be trying to create long-term goals or is a series of short-term goals okay? Absolutely okay. And it's a different uh, answer depending on who we're talking to, like you were saying earlier, Becky. But the key is just to be true to you in whatever is coming up for you. Uh, and, you know, I'm so glad you brought up the thing about try to be positive, right? There's no such thing as try. You either are positive or you're not. And it's so okay not to be positive sometimes because it's so painful. And so you express that even if it's to people that don't have cancer at all, but you express it. And then because feelings like motion, they want to get out of your system. And then you can go back to maybe a uh, a grateful statement or a positive statement or yeah. not at all. It's fine exactly where you are. Good. Because, you know, it's, it gets a little bit um, a little bit cumbersome, I think, sometimes when you're trying to share your feelings, but you're always having to defend, you know, you're not like me. I'm, you know, it, it's just having mm. people sharing this, being able to share this openly with people who may be experiencing the same thing is so critical. You know, we have a caller on the line and we have a break in about 30 seconds here. So I think we'll go ahead and bring the caller on, but we'll bring them on the actual call after the break. Um, so we're going to we're gonna go ahead and do that. So let's go ahead and, and go on out to break right now. We'll be back in just a minute. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to keep our doors open and to keep this radio program alive. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can visit us at breastfriends.org. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Visit breastfriends.org and contribute today. When was the last time you felt free? It's time to uncover that feeling. 
Again, with the compassion of a cross and shield, and the power of a card that opens doors to the best hospitals and medical centers in all 50 states. Giving you the freedom to love, to dream, to dance like no one is watching. Regions Blue Cross Blue Shield. Live fearless. Female cancers affect women, but women's effects are felt throughout our families, workplaces, and communities. Electa is driving advances in precision radiation medicine across our portfolio of devices. By enabling treatment that is highly responsive to changes in tumor shape, position, and biology, but doesn't compromise the health of surrounding tissue and the patient, we protect the moments that matter in the lives of women with female cancers and everyone they touch. Learn more at electa.com. That's E-L-E-K-T-A.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Tuned into Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. To reach the program today, please call us at 1 866 472 5792. Again, that's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to Becky at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to our show. We've been talking about metastatic cancer, what it means, how we deal with it, how we deal with the stress of it with our wonderful guests, David Dashinger and Tamara Green. But during the, just before the break, we got a caller that called in and turns out I know this knucklehead (laughs) and I love him dearly. (laughs) Mr. Bill, hi. This is just a quick call. I'm calling in to say happy 40th anniversary to my beautiful wife and I'm holding our beautiful little boy Swayze. And uh, we're both wishing dog. <laughs> all of us a tremendous. I, I just wanted you guys to comment on this because uh, David and Tamara seem like the perfect couple to talk about this. We are reading through the Bible, which is also a milestone for you soon. You're going to be crossing the threshold of all the way through the Bible in a year in a few weeks. And um, we run over scriptures and stories time and time again about faith helping God to do what he wants to do is help us have better lives and even heal us. So I I think that that's a good thing to pray for with expectation, with the reality that we know that eventually, like Lazarus, who was raised from the dead, he probably died again, and uh, that happens. But there are goals along the way that if God gives us more time, we should try to accomplish them. And one I want you to throw out there, Becky, is you have not yet had your podcast listened to and shared in North Dakota, Oklahoma, Vermont, and New Jersey. So your 50-state goal is within reach. If anybody knows people in those states, listen to this podcast and then write Becky, and she can cross that off her bucket list. These are important Thank you. goals that we've set, and I'd like to see you do that before our anniversary, which is made. I would love that, too. So you if you, I'll listen if to the you do that... Now. Okay, thanks, Bill. If you do that, listeners, please just go go to Facebook to the Breast Friends Around the Globe um, Facebook group and let me know that you listened from North Dakota and let me know or 
Uh, there's four of them, North Dakota, Oklahoma, Vermont, and New Jersey. And let me know that you listen from one of those states, which episode you listen to. And then I can, I've got this big map and I'm putting stars. You know, I had a goal to speak in all 50 states and now I'm actually, I just revised my goal so I can speak to people in all 50 states. So that's how I can check this one off. And if I can get four people today, it could happen today. And then I could check these four off and be done with this particular goal. So that would be one of my short-term goals. <laughs> so um, anyway, thank you, Bill, for, for calling in. I really appreciate that. And I love you very much, sweetheart. Okay, we're going to get back to our program here because we don't have a whole lot of time left. Um, so I want to talk about some of the other um, issues that sort of come up with metastatic survivors. Sometimes we hear the words from our doctor, it's, I'd get your affairs in order, you know, and those are words that we never want to hear. And yet, I think we all know that it's something we should all do. We don't need to wait until we've been given some horrible diagnosis of something. We should all get our affairs in order. That means, you know, get your will done and, you know, get your bank account set up properly and, you know, with with beneficiaries on everything. Just do that because it's not something that is going to take care of itself. And once you've done that, the stress of of knowing it's not done goes away because now it is done. And and every now and then, every few years, you should look at your will again and, and update it and fix it and make sure that it's it represents who you are. It is not a sign of giving up. It's not a sign of throwing in the towel. It's just something we should all do to remove the stress of not doing that in our life. So I want to encourage everyone to get their affairs in order. But when you're metastatic and you hear that from your doctor, it becomes kind of an urgent thing, you know. And so how can we um, encourage patients you know, that are kind of going through this, what does it mean exactly to get your affairs in order? What is it, how do we do it quickly and simply and, and kind of make it a stressless sort of process? And I don't know if you guys have been through that. You know, Bill and I have done a significant amount of that. So we're kind of getting there ourselves, but there's probably still some things missing. So it's stuff like that. It's, you know, it's, it's how do you take care of all of those things without sounding like you're giving up? And, you know, I don't want it to ever sound like that to people because I'm not I'm not giving up. And, David, I have a feeling you're not giving up. So um, right. And, and what what better gift to your loved ones than to have those affairs, um, your health care, your financial affairs, your estate all um, taken care of and worked out before it, you know, it's a mess. Um, and I can speak from experience because my mom, who's in her late 80s. Although she did have a, a financial advisor, uh, she started having um, more progressive Alzheimer's, and it be, it's still an ongoing project for the last six months to kind of untangle all of her accounts and um, set things up so that she can live comfortably. But boy, um, if, to be able to do that for your loved ones, so they have the passwords to your, um, to your you know, important information, so your healthcare directive is set up. So all that stuff is clear and laid out. Um, it is a beautiful, beautiful thing you can do for those that you really care about. 
Uh, I so agree. And, you know, a year ago, in fact, a year ago this month, uh, May, we, my husband and I sold our house that we lived in, we, you know, raised most of our kids in that house, lived there forever. Um, the kids are all grown and they're all scattered around the country. So it's not like anybody wants to come back and take ownership of that house again because they're pretty well set where they are. But but that was, I, I kind of felt like that was a gift, getting it downsized, getting rid of all the stuff, they came and took the things that they wanted, you know, just like, okay, who wants this? Who wants that? We did all of that, you know, ahead of time. And, you know, I, I had already been diagnosed as, with metastatic cancer by then, but it was still, it just felt like the right thing to do. And so now that part's done and we live in an apartment now and the things that are here are, you know, things that we kind of enjoy having around us, but all the clutter is gone which I know my kids right now they might not appreciate that very much but there will come a time that they will go wow I'm glad mom and dad did that before um, we had to do it so you know it's it is a gift to have all of these things in order it's a gift and I maybe that's the way we need to look at it is it it's a gift it's not a it's not a bad thing to do it's a great thing to do and and the stress of doing that I mean if we were still in that house I would be feeling that so it's you know, I, I think that there's there's just so many little nuances of things that that we deal with a little differently when we're you know when we've been diagnosed this way. So um, okay, and I don't want to make this all about that. So let's talk about when you're going to the doctor. What are some of the things that our medical providers can do to help us to help kind of create a a stress-free environment for their patients. And it's a little harder now than it used to be, but, um, you know, what can they what can they do, like, you know, to just help their patients feel, you know, better and, and less stressed through all of this? And I know this was part of our conversation last time, but we didn't get to it. So do you guys have some thoughts on that? Well, we, we probably have several. One of the things uh, that I hear a lot from the people that I work with, you know, those that are touched by cancer, whether it's support groups or one-on-one sessions is, you know, some, some uh, wish that their doctor would ask them what they need. Uh, For example, you as the patient, would you like your caregiver to be part of these um, sessions? Because some people don't want their caregivers there. It's interesting. Uh, but some absolutely do. Or, you know, how can I best, um, you know, help you through this this journey that, you, that you're on? W- you know, what do you need? What would you like? That would be one thing. But the other thing I'll let David speak to because we actually um, – offer uh, what we have on our Loving Meditations app and beyond that for uh, healthcare providers. Okay. Um, so I'll let David speak to that. Great. Thank you. Great. So these healthcare providers are, for the most part, now experiencing like an even uh, deeper level of burnout and overwhelm and stress mm-hmm. in their world. So we've created some uh, tools on the app. We call it the Positive Mindset Toolbox. And uh, it, there are scientifically based exercises that help with burnout, with um, being keeping your head clear and being more productive. So we put that out there as another aspect of what we do in the world. Um, but I think 
Becky, your question about going to the doctor, every doctor's different. Every doctor has a different level of um, sort of how they present themselves with compassionately or how much time they can spend with you to um, kind of walk you through your journey. But I think in the final analysis, like so many other things, we're kind of, you know, it's our own experience and we need to kind of take charge of that experience. I'll just relate a story real quickly that I was hoping that my, my, uh, the mass in my neck would be um, taken care of by radiation and chemo. However, it wasn't. And I very um, hesitatingly agreed to have surgery, major surgery around my uh, aorta, my jugular vein. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sorry, the carotid and the jugular vein and, and very sensitive nerves. And so on the way to the OR, um, I decided to start just repeating in my own mind what's called ho'oponopono, as a way to put myself into a place of um, kind of allowance and gratitude and receiving uh, the medical care that I was going to receive. And to boil it down simply, it's thank you, I love you, I'm sorry, please forgive me. And it was so transformative when I knew I was just, this was like the last leg of my journey, um, turning it over to to that um, whatever you want to call it, spirit, to the universe, mm-hmm. to God. And I felt very calm um, making that journey down to the operating room. That's that's wonderful. And I think when Bill called in on the, on the line here a few minutes ago, I think that's kind of, you know, what he was referring to about this, the spiritual movement, because, you know, medicine can only do so much. You know, they, they call it the practice of medicine for a reason, because sometimes, you know, they don't know if it, what's going to work and you try different things and you try this till it doesn't work anymore and then you switch and go somewhere else but there's um there's more to there's more to healing than that and there's the spiritual healing as you were talking about and one of the things i know that there are people all over the country that are prayer warriors and you know if you know any prayer warriors in your life when those people start praying for you, I think you can feel it. You know, I know mm-hmm. I, I know I can, and definitely. And I do believe in my heart and in my spirit that that there is that possibility of full and complete healing from this, and it would be seen as a miracle at this point because. Technically, um, my doctor even told me that he can't make this go away. All he can do is extend my time. And, um, and, and he's not even sure about that or how long, and I won't let him tell me. So <laughs> it's like, I don't want to know. Don't, don't even tell me. And I know that's a personal thing, too. Some people want to know exactly how much time they have left. And, and he told me, he says, that's the one thing we get wrong more often than anything. So, you know, um, I, lo- I love that. So I don't, he won't tell me. I don't want to know and because I don't want to just lay around and wait to die. That's just not what I want to do. I want to keep doing this as long as I can. And if God chooses to heal me in the meantime, hallelujah. So, um, so that that's, I'm holding on to that. And um, so, yeah, so that's, that's where we're at. Guys, we are out of time again. And I, I think we've probably covered most of what we wanted to, to talk about on this show. And I, I really would like to have you back again sometime. And we can talk some more about something because I know you'll come up with something new. But, um, but thank you so much, you guys, for being guests on our show. You know, once again, um, the app is lovingmeditations.com forward slash chaos 
And then there's some information on how to get the, the app downloaded for free for the first 30 days. And it's a, the premium edition. Is that correct? Just That's per, as correct. a reminder. Okay. Yes. So, um, so we would love to invite you to take advantage of that app and hear all of that. You'll see more wisdom from these two beautiful people. You guys, thank you so much for being part of our show today. Um, and for those of you who are listening, this is our 20th year as Breast Friends. Please consider making a $20 donation in honor of our 20th year in the year 2020. <laughs> so it's a simple thing to do. Go to breastfriends.org, click on the donate button, and we will be back next week. And until then, remember, there is always hope, and we're here to help you find it. Thank you for listening to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Please join Becky Olson again next Wednesday at 12 o'clock noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. There is always hope, and we are here to help you find it. We'll talk again next time.